Welcome to the day on Broadway for Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Now listen up, we got a special guest, live and direct from a year out west. No, that last part's <laughs> not true at all. Um, but as I teased on the Tony Omnibus episode over the weekend, we are joined for, uh, I think, three episodes this week mm-hmm. by the one and only Ashley Steves, who you, I think you can most recently read her work, I think, in backstage interviewing an up-and-coming actress named Glenda Jackson. Is that yes. correct, Ashley? That little-known name, yeah. yeah. She's got a She's got a great career ahead of her. You scared her out of town, Ashley. Yeah. I did. <laughs> I feel bad, but I think she'll be able to find some new work. Yeah, whether that's on stage or in politics, uh, yes. she can do either one she wants. So uh, Ashley and I are going to be discussing, since James went ahead and made all of his Tony predictions with Peter and Michael on this week on Broadway and left me here out on my own, we had to bring <laughs> Ashley in so that she and I could discuss and debate and maybe even argue a little bit over uh, some Tony categories. Today, at the end of the episode, we are going to get into the featured performer categories, so stick around for that at the end of the episode. Uh, but before we get into the main uh, the main show, I did want to mention that, you know, this is June. It is busting out all over, and with June, it is also Pride Month. So if you do not have anything rainbow to go along with whatever type of uh, theater-going attire you have, you can always go to the TKTS booths, any of them, and they will give you a rainbow tkts branded button that you can wear so i wanted to make sure everybody knew about that those are available at all of the three tkts locations times square south street seaport and lincoln center all right so first up in the news we have uh city center city center announces their 2019 2020 season yes they did james and while there's a bunch of exciting dance and music stuff in there, yada, yada, yada. The the things that we really care about the most is one, their annual gala, and two, the encores season. So let's start with this fall's annual gala, and it's breaking a bit of tradition because the gala presentation will have an extended two-week run from November 13th through the 24th. Now, normally you might be saying, don't they just normally have like the one big dollar donor night and then like a normal ticketed performances for maybe two or three other nights? That is correct. So you might be saying, what could warrant a two-week run? Well, at least in part to honor the show's 40th anniversary, Broadway radio favorite and former guest Sammy Canold will be directing a production of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's classic, Evita. No, cast- <laughs> uh, no <laughs> casting has been announced, but I have heard that City Center is pursuing a, a big-time star or two for the event. Uh, so, James and Ashley, I wanted to ask you, since... Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber has kind of famously banned Patty from doing this <laughs> this show in concert or whatever kind of thing. I'm going to rule her out. I mean, if there's some sort of thawing and he lets her do that, obviously she is the correct answer to this question. But if Patty <laughs> Lapone is not able to return to the role of Ava Perone, who would you like uh, to see? And Ashley, I hear you giggling already. So uh, who who do you want to <laughs> see playing Ava in the gala this fall? I would just like to see Patty storm the stage and do it anyway. I mean, fair. Okay, right. but her out, assuming that she's not going to tackle whoever is uh, helming at the Casa Rosado. Who, who else would you like to see? Any any thoughts? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about it yet. Honestly, I you know needs to go to someone who can actually sing the role and not damage their voice. So I would certainly be curious to see who James has in mind. Well. I was uh, thinking of a special Akita. 
Mm. You're thinking of a dog? Yeah, <laughs> named Evita. Ah, yes. Yeah, I see. Okay. Um, from the window ledge of a 23rd story. Um, it was great. I, I, I'm going to throw out a name. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty sure that this person can sing it. I'm pretty sure that this person would warrant a two-week run. And this person, if attached, and this thing went well in the fall, could warrant a transfer to Broadway. And that is one Lady Gaga. That would be... I, they're going for big names. They're going for big names. If Lady Gaga is going to come to Broadway in a show, she looks a that's fair not, amount. That's not funny, girl. Yes, it's not funny, girl. She <laughs> she actually looks like the real life Ava Perone. And a lot of people, yeah. we've seen a lot of, we've discussed this over the years, James, that when productions of this show are done regionally, a lot of times you get pushback about the actress playing Ava not actually being um, having any Spanish or Hispanic um, or South American blood in her. But Ava was I mean, she was Italian for the most part, which also Lady Gaga is. So I I think that there's a case to be made for Lady Gaga playing this part. And I, for one, um, would not oppose that. In fact, I have sitting on my desk right now in one of my tabs, I have the form to actually subscribe to the encore season just so I can get the chance to buy the Evita tickets, mm-hmm. knowing the fact that I live over a thousand miles away from New York. So that's how much I'm considering doing this just because I love not only this gala and I love Evita, but the rest of the season. So in the meantime, until we figure out who Evita is, the rest of the encore center. Well, is let actually... me jump in for a second. Okay, here. go ahead. Uh, on a more serious note, not, not the Akita note. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the Broadway community, Lena Hall. Oh, that would be very good. Interesting. But I'm, I'm wondering if that would be enough of a draw for the two weeks, as Matt yeah, said. Yeah, no, that's true. And and I, I didn't even think about. I was thinking, I was thinking big names and things yeah. like this. I was like Glenda Jackson. Will she do it? I don't know. <laughs> She's but, gonna be free. But, <laughs> yeah, she'll be available. You know, but uh, <laughs> but Lena Hall. I was thinking in the in the Broadway community, but Lady Gaga. You know, definitely. Uh, wow, that would be that'd be cool. Just just miss cleoing it now. So, um, OK, so the rest of the season is a pretty exciting one, too. Actually, we're going to start off in February with Jerry Herman and Michael Stewart's Mac and Mabel long one that people have been talking about potentially seeing either at Encores or somewhere else in New York. You might remember that in last season's Hey, Look Me Over musical review of shows that Encores has never done. The the great Douglas Sills, who James and I stand over all the time, and mm-hmm. Alexandra Soka, they played the roles of Mac and Mabel in that little segment of Hey, Look Me Over. So maybe or may not, they might be returning to those roles. I'm not sure, but I would not be surprised if they did. Then in March, we will get Kurt Vile and Alan J. Lerner's Love Life, directed by Tony winner Victoria Clark. If you remember a year or so ago, um, I, I talked with Rebecca Luker, who was doing a show directed by Victoria Clark, and she said that Victoria Clark is one of, if not the best director she'd ever worked with. So this is really wow. exciting. But the big centerpiece of the encore season will come to City Center in May, and we will be getting something that's probably a bit outside of Encore's traditional purview as the organization's new resident director, Lear de Bessonet, will direct an updated production of that golden era classic that no one's really heard much of since the last time it was on Broadway back in the 1930s. Nope, never mind. 2012, 
thoroughly modern Millie. Now, if you haven't seen or thought about the show recently, it might shock you just how problematic this show has become in the 17 years since it opened on Broadway. You've got the obvious issues of women being sold into sex slavery, one of the main characters being in yellow face for most of the show, extremely uncomfortable stereotypes of Asian characters, and not to mention that the purest of all of the storylines in the show is that Millie's main goal for moving to New York is to effectively seduce and marry her boss so she can live a comfortable life. It's well, like bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got it across and diagonal here, actually. Um, so if apparently how they're going to deal with this is they have brought in a playwright to update the book, and that is playwright. Lauren Yee. She's going to work with the original writers, Janine Tesori and Dick Scanlon, who are going to be the creative consultants for the production. And obviously, Tesori has a long history with Encores, having run the Off-Center program for a long time. So they're going to come up with a new book. But that's not all, as they actually have announced the star for this production, unlike what they've done for Evita. And playing Millie will be Tony nominee, Ashley Park. And while I normally wouldn't describe her uh, an actor by their by their race i think it's important to mention that if you didn't know ashley park is asian american so that puts a much different spin on the character of millie whether they do this actually as millie being asian american or if it's going to be done colorblind i think that puts a whole different spin on things um as i said millie is a delightful score but has tons of problems when it comes to the book, which have led it to actually be banned in numerous school districts. So if they can get this right, it would probably help licensing make it a little bit easier to get done. Because for a while there, Millie was getting done all over the place. And then it's kind of dried up in the last few years. So, Ashley, I want to go to you. Do, mm-hmm. do you think that this do you think it's actually possible <laughs> to save this show? Because at this point, in my mind, to make this work in 2020, which is when this would be, they would have to nearly rewrite the entire book and some songs as well for it to pass muster. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned the new resident director, uh, Leah de Bessonet, and this show is actually part of a new initiative where they're bringing in artists who can put their own spin on shows. I, I'm really excited to see the changes to it. When I saw the headlines, this morning i i saw the headline before i saw the details and i just kind of groaned into my coffee like oh god why are we doing millie it's 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 an impossible show to do right now and i you know it's criticism is pretty rightly earned but yeah i think if you're going to write a play with as fine a line between satire and actual prejudice as millie has maybe you should you know have a writer of heritage on your writing team so you're actually fulfilling what you're intending to do lauren e as a creative consultant who she wrote the hat maker's wife she wrote the great leap and writes dialogue like nobody's business i think if anyone is going to fix the problems of the show i think she can do it i really hope it reaches where it should have been to begin with but people are still going to be wanting to put on the show and it needs an update it needs to, someone needs to at least try to update it if we're going to at least attempt to keep trying to put it on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 as James, you might remember, I've teased this a couple times. I don't believe that this is going to be the only time that we're going to hear about Lee DeBessonet working on a either a new show or an update of a previous existing property alongside Ashley Park. So just stick that in the back mm-hmm. of your hat, and if you want to 
you know, park it somewhere else. And, you know, it's not going to be Shakespeare, but uh, it might be in the realm there somewhere. Hmm. All right. What do we have in last week's Broadway grosses? It was a down week, as it always is following the highs of Memorial Day weekend. But it was a fairly modest dip in total, thanks in part to the Greek god of New Age music, Yanni. In total, the main stem dipped 3.71% or $1.3 million to come in at $34,570,185. The grosses chart actually makes it look a lot worse than it actually is, though, as only three shows had week-to-week black numbers. One was Hamilton, which was coming off of an Edgehan week, and then we had Wicked and Network seeing decent-sized to modest bumps. The five performances of Yanni's in-residence stint did well, but uh, to be honest with you, not as well as I anticipated. At $527,138, that comes in to roughly $843,000 if you extrapolate it to eight shows. I was expecting it to be much more than that, but maybe people heard that Yanni was doing more Q&As than actually music and decided not to spend their money. Um, especially following the Edgeham bump, Hamilton was on top of the grosses chart at $3,153,319. Lion King was at $2.23 million. And then working our way down, we have Wicked, To Kill a Mockingbird, Cursed Child, Ain't Too Proud, Aladdin, Dear Evan Hansen, Town, Frozen, Tootsie, The Book of Mormon, Network in seven shows, and The Phantom of the Opera, all in seven figures. Gary Colon, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, is looking incredibly rough right now, posting just 206060 bucks last week. The next four lowest grossing, grossing shows were all plays, Frankie and Johnny, King Lear, Hillary and Clinton, and then Inc., Then we got to our first musical, which was Be More Chill, which grossed just about $3,000 short of four hundred k. This was the first time that the show had failed to break the $400,000 mark during its Broadway run. Now, James and Ashley, I've been saying for the last few weeks when we talk about grosses that I didn't expect any musicals to announce a closing before Tony's. But Mm. now that we have our final grosses to be released pre-Tony's, I think that in terms of musicals, be more chill has to be at the front of the line for shows that could post a closing come Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Not to quote Jimmy Buffett, but come Monday might not be all right uh, for the folks over at the Lyceum Theater. I could also see a play <laughs> or two posting an early closing notice as well. Got no one to other... hold them, and you got no one to fold them. <laughs> I think there should be some folding based off some of these grosses. That's yeah. for sure. But some other shows that I would not think necessarily we might see. Um, well, we might see a closing notice posted next week, but definitely I think would be in the contention to post something over the summer. Um, might be the prom, which dipped to just over six hundred two thousand dollars last week. Waitress fell to six hundred and eight k. Pretty Woman, which fell to six hundred ninety two thousand. I think Beetlejuice and the Share Show will be okay for the summer, but neither is setting the world on fire, despite you know being in contention for some awards and getting performances on TV to varying degrees. Um, I, I think they could be looking towards perhaps January closings, they were both between $750,000 and $800,000 last week. Mm. Now, James and Ashley, what what show that is just kind of treading water right now would you expect to have the biggest uptick over the summer? James, what do you, what do you think? I think Beetlejuice. Uh, I think that uh, families might go to it just because they think of it uh, the movie, I'm not sure it's exactly family-friendly. Right. I mean, I would, I would take my kids to it, but... Uh, but my kids like to set things on fire. So, uh, fire, 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 fire. So I think that Beetlejuice might get a, a family bump over the summer. I could see that. And especially if they do a good job 
with their Tony performance, that could probably help a lot attract a, a family audience. Ashley, are you on board with the with the Beetle Beetlejuice train, or uh, are you thinking it might go somewhere else? No, I am thinking Beetlejuice will be a big one. As James said, a lot of families will be coming in for the summer. Beetlejuice has the connection to the movie, so it can be a big draw. The Share Show. What bigger name is there than Cher? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, people are going to go see her. I'm really curious to see what happens with the prom, especially this month. A, it's Pride, and B, after its drama desk win last night. I'm curious to see if there will be any uptick at all. I I sure hope so. Um, They're – they're busting their butts to, to, to get this show out there with all of the performances and all the interviews and all of the, the other stuff going on. So uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they do, even though I wouldn't count my chickens yeah. this, just yet. All right. What do we have in the recommendation section? Okay. I've got two things. First up, uh, our friends over at the Interval, they really kind of bucked the trend of a Tony piece. They said, here's our Tony piece. We didn't interview a single Tony nominee. Instead, what they did is they took their inspiration from the last few minutes of what the Constitution means to me. If you've seen the show, I guess I don't need this, but I guess a spoiler alert in case you haven't. But at the end of the show... um, Heidi Shrek sits on the stage with either either uh, Rostelli Cyprian or Thursday Williams, who is one of the uh, who are the young women who come out and debate her at the end of the show. And they sit back to back and they ask questions of each other. And Heidi always ends the show with the last question being, what do you imagine your life will be like in X number of years? And she changes the number of years, you know, d- depending on which day it is. So the interval took that question and they asked 15 young women across the country, teenagers, and I think I saw someone in maybe 20 years old, and asked them that question. And they have photos to go along with it. It's it's brilliant and it's stunning and it's beautiful. I haven't read it all the way through because, as I've said before, I'm a slow reader. But I've read about half of them and it's um, it's really fantastic. So check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And then, as promised, uh, we have the part two of Laura Benanti explains the 2018-2019 Broadway season. She did the musicals Head Over Heels, Pretty Woman, Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice were all great and hilarious. But her explanation and then the subsequent camera work on her uh, Tootsie ex- uh, explanation is absolutely priceless and a perfect mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. of why I always have and always will love Laura Benanti. That Laura Benanti stare. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what do we have in other news? Okay, speaking of what the Constitution means to me, yesterday, shrewdly timed as Tony voters are getting their final ballots in, the producers of what the Constitution means to me announced that the show would go on a national tour launching in January at the Mark Taper Forum. It will be on the road for 40 weeks and will hit 22 cities, including Charlotte, Hartford, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and more. But here's the thing. Someone other than Heidi Schreck will be leading the production. The press release says, quote, Miss Schreck and Mr. Butler, that's the director, Oliver Butler, will work closely to interpolate new cast members into the play in a unique and exciting way that matches the play's blend of the personal and the universal. Actually, this kind of goes along with what we talked about on the Tony Omnibus episode about whether or not Heidi's actually acting or not. We're actually going to see someone else play this part. uh, So that'll be interesting. But also, Mm -hmm. if this is going to tour... I think playing venues like the Mark Taper Forum is exactly the way to go. It only seats roughly about 750 people. Um, so if they're playing those type of houses rather than the 2,700 seat places that the musicals play, I think that's perfect. So Yeah, um, I agree there. Yeah. Also, next up, yesterday, the North Shore Music Theater announced that Tony winner and original Betty Schaefer 
Alice Ripley will play Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard this fall. The show will run from September 24th through October 6th in Beverly, Mass. Also on Monday, we learned some details about something that was originally reported in Vulture's preview of three tracks from the Hades cast town, Hades town cast album. Say that 20 <laughs> times fast. Um, next last week, the show's cast album had previously been announced to be dropping this Friday, June 7th. Well, that's still kind of happening, but not exactly. At 12.01 Eastern Time on Tuesday, today, if depending on when you're listening to this, you can get the tracks for Way Down Hades Town, Our Lady of the Underground, and Wait For Me. You can download them. They're available. Then on Friday, 10 more tracks will be released, and we'll have a link to what uh, those tracks are in the show notes. But then the rest of the double album, which features 40 total tracks and over two hours of music, which is for the most part, the entire show will be released in three curated character themed drops, which I have absolutely no idea what that means. We will get character drop number one on June 28th, which will be Hades and Persephone. Then on uh, the number two will be July 20, uh, July 12th will be Hermes, the fates and the workers chorus. Uh, and then finally on July 26th, we'll have Orpheus and Eurydice. We'll have that all laid out in a link in the show notes, but I don't know if they're doing this just to, stretch it out and get more attention or like the, the Hamill drops did, or if they're just didn't get the whole album done on time and this is the way they're getting around it. But uh, I'm very impatient when it comes to this Hades town music. So, um, <laughs> but those tracks that we heard last week were, were fantastic. So uh, I, I'm optimistic that this will at least sound good when we finally get everything on July 26th. This is the worst idea I've ever heard since hashtag Labrat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. This makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to break it up like this. I really I, think it's what Matt said that they haven't gotten it done in no, time. They, no, they ha yeah. they, they they can't be recording on. Uh, it doesn't make financial sense to record on all different days. They have to record mm -hmm. the cast all in one day, and they got to record the music in the right. next day. And they it's have all to... been recorded. We've seen well, everybody right. in, yes. in the and studio. And you're saying seen... you're telling me that that. It you're, that they haven't mixed it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you would hope I mean, so. No, it, it sounds like what they're doing here is they're trying to drag out a bunch of news cycles uh, to promote this, and that also uh, that they might be playing some sort of billboard game because keeping their tracks on uh, as. X number of of tracks released equates to an album, so they'll get multiple albums on the Billboard mm. release track. It's it's Maybe. a really bad idea. I mean, in this in this day and age of releasing a whole twenty two uh, twenty two show series on Netflix on, in one night, so that people can binge it. Uh, going back the other direction for our cast albums, it's a really bad idea. I will just say that Aeneas Mitchell has responded to people on Twitter saying that they're just making sure that they take their times to to get this as good as possible for the fans. Now, of course, mm. that could just be spin. Um, but it, if she's being honest, then I have no reason to accuse Aeneas Mitchell of being anything other than pure, holy and honest based off of the wonderful work that she's created. Um, that could have something to do with it. All right. Next up. <laughs> Matt Nashley make Tony predictions. Yes, Who's going to be Tony in West Side Story? I I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Oh, 
Uh, well, I'm, so, an, anyway. I'm a need. I'm a need, obviously. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, <laughs> so um, we'll get to that later. Uh, um, so <laughs> one of my favorite press releases I've ever gotten in my career yesterday hit my inbox and it's odds makers predict the winners of the 73rd Tony awards and being the sports and poker and gambling degenerate that I am. um, I love this. It it was clearly made by people who don't actually know much about theater, but that's fine. Um, I have the odds for all of the Tony categories uh, in the show notes. If you want to check that out, but actually you and I are going to focus on the featured categories today, James, um, you made your predictions and I hope you remember them. So, uh, but we're going to start off with best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play. The nominees are Bertie Carvel from Inc., Robert Jesus from The Boys in the Band, Gideon Glick from To Kill a Mockingbird, Brandon Uranowitz from Burn This, and Benjamin Walker from All My Sons. James, remind the listeners who you picked to win this one on Sundays this week on Broadway. Uh, this was you don't remember. Robert, Robert Jesus. <laughs> okay. That's right. the right you, category, right? Is that, yes, Robin yeah. Jesus. Yes. yes. So, Ashley, you um, are the, the new guest here. I will right. defer to you first in a sentence or two. Who do you think is going to win this one and why? I really think it's going to depend on how much so Tony voters think Mockingbird was snubbed. Uh, but I th- think it will probably go to Bertie Carville or Gideon Glick. My heart, personally, is with Robin Jesus, but I'm you know always rooting for the queer show on stage. Um. This is fast. This is I could not have pitched this more perfectly that in our first opportunity to disagree on a show, we are not only disagreeing, Mm. we are vehemently disagreeing because Mm. I think the two people that have a chance to win this award are the two that you did not mention, Brandon Uranowitz and Benjamin Walker. Um, I think that there is going to be a bit of a recency bias uh, for Brandon and Benjamin. I think Benjamin has uh, probably... Um, out of those two recent ones, and as you can throw in Bertie Carvel in mm. Inc., who I thought was wonderful. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen Bertie in a number of, in a couple of shows now, mm-hmm. and I still couldn't pick him out of a lineup. He just so transforms into a character. Uh, I have no idea yeah. what he actually looks like. But if I had <laughs> to pick between them, I I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Brandon Uranowitz. I have I'm reserving every right to change my predictions before Tony Sunday, but I'll go with Brandon Uranowitz for the win. All right. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. Uh, The nominees are Fiona Flanagan from the Ferryman, Celia Keenan Bolger from Till Mockingbird, Christine Nielsen from Gary Colin, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, Julie White, also from Gary and Ruth Wilson from King Lear. James, I believe if I remember correctly, you had this as leaning Celia, but thought Ruth had a shot as well. Yes. Mm. Okay. So Ashley, um, there is only one correct answer in this category. Yes. If you don't pick it, you will never be invited back on the <laughs> video. Who who is your pick in this category? Well, it's obviously Celia. Okay, thank you. Enough and said. I, Go ahead. If I, you have, wanna... I have I have a pretty big anti Aaron Sorkin bias, but I mean, thankfully, I have a pretty big pro Celia Keenan Bolger yes. bias. And not only should she win, it's it's about time. Yes, Come on. yeah. You can't do. 2014 and menagerie tour again you just we just can't do it as a community i will be disappointed in us if we do um she had a wonderful she does these things on her instagram she calls them pancakes where she kind of just talk looks at the camera and talks she hasn't been doing them uh for the last like during the few weeks of 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 award season and she said she did one on monday 
and she admitted she said it's she knows it's ugly or she feels it's ugly to admit this but like she wants to win like she she wants the acknowledgement i love that yeah and she said she feels weird about it but look celia keenan bulger is my text message ringtone um and she Mm -hmm. has been for years so i'm it's celia keenan bulger uh anyway okay moving on to best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical we have Andre DeShields from Hades Town, Andy Gratolution from Tootsie, Patrick Page from Hades Town, Jeremy Pope from Ain't Too Proud, Ephraim Sykes from Ain't Too Proud. Uh, James, I believe on Sunday you were in Camp DeShields, correct? That's correct. And I believe everybody else was mm-hmm. too? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Ashley, who you got? I, I'm firmly in Camp DeShields. Uh, he's the coolest person in town. <laughs> That he is. Um, but man, I also, you know, what did he say about the role that he put his DNA all over or something? Yes. He injected <laughs> yeah, I, his DNA into it. Yes. Uh, um, that's that's so much worse. <laughs> yes, he did. It's, I mean, it's, I guess it could have said he impregnated him. But anyway, yeah. um, I, I if I if this was like back in the some like a pop days when Jen uh, and I did wish, want and will, my wish would be for Patrick Page to win, because I think mm. he's actually giving a more nuanced acting performance than Andre is as wonderful as Andre is he's the narrator and and he's got more than just narrating going on but sure. but I I appreciate Patrick's performance a little bit more um but I do think that Andre being the legend that he is and never having won he does have the lead in this one yeah I I'm I'm a massive Patrick Page fan I just think Andre I think the role exists the way it does uh because of what he's done to it yeah. All right. Finally, best performance by an actress in a leading role or in a featured role in a musical. Lily Cooper for Tootsie, Amber Gray for Hadestown, Sarah Stiles for Tootsie, Ali Stroker for Oklahoma and Mary Testa for Oklahoma. James, remind us what you said on this one. Ali Stroker, uh, okay. I think, uh, uh, is my choice. And uh, although everybody in this category I love. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Ashley, what do you got? great category uh i will not be mad if amber gray wins but i'm rooting for ali stroker i think she should win alone for her i can't say no i just think Mm. everything she's done with this role is so fun and so fresh really yeah do you not well we'll get we'll get to that um but but james knows that when the National Theater production of Hades Town was announced. I said, and this was long before the Broadway production was announced, I predicted that Hades Town would not only win Best Musical, but at least two members of the company would win Tony's. If we sure. were agreeing that Andre DeShields is going to win, I mm-hmm. I love Eva. Eva was a former guest on a, a Tony Omnibus episode. Um, she ain't going to win. Um, so Amber Gray is my other option to, to potentially win. And I think if I were choosing, I would go uh, with Amber Gray because I think what mm. she does is just so mesmerizing yeah. and, and how she just kind of like becomes this this weird ethereal being. And I absolutely love her. I saw Ali Stroker. I have not I have not seen Oklahoma on on Broadway yet. I am mm. going to see it um, next week if I happen to decide to come to New York the week after the Tonys. But I did see it yes, at St. Anne's. If it's still an if um, <laughs> it's not an if um, I did see it at St. Anne's and it's and she was wonderful. And while I did think that there was a, a bit of an air of a more um, a sexually awakened 
Ada Wainey as opposed to someone who is kind of ashamed of her sexual desires. I think that's there, but I still think what she was doing was recognizable as an Ada Wainey that we've seen in the past. Now, mm. you throw in the fact that she's in a wheelchair, that brings up different issues, obviously, as well. And I have... No, sure. I think that that's wonderful. To me, Amber Gray is doing something that I've never seen before. And, and the way she moves her body is just... I literally, it's it's one in a thing in a dance move and in a role that is not meant to be sexy at all. The way Amber Gray just kind of moves her limbs is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. I'm rooting for Amber Gray, not just because it's sexy, but it, it is something I've never seen before. So um, I will go with Amber Gray both with my head and my heart on this one. I'll allow it. Tan- <laughs> tangent to this whole discussion. Uh, if Amber Gray were to leave the production, who would you like to see step into this role? Hmm. Oh, that's a question from Matt, who well, has massive Amber Gray love. <laughs> well, look, I, this will never happen because of the timing of her current show. But I would love to see Karen Olivo in that part. Oh, I think well, that, yeah. that that would be a really interesting uh, thing there. Um, but, yeah, I could do that. So- I, yeah, I, I think Karen Olivo will be my answer. Obviously, that's not going to happen because of Moulin Rouge, at least right. unless Hades – and she's not going to replace anyway. But, yeah. you know um, – Well, I, I have somebody else who's not going to replace, okay. and I don't know why this is, but I just keep on – every time I saw Hades Town, I thought of this. Uh, Katrina Lank. Could be. I, I yeah. yeah. I definitely I'm, would have no problem with that. I will see Katrina Lank in anything ever. <sighs> no so. kidding. Katrina Lake reads, reads a phone book. I'm there. Yeah. Yes. Well, totally. we're going to talk about the lead categories tomorrow. So maybe we can dreamcast Katrina or Karen into one of those shows as well. Um, so, it, and if you need information on any or all of the stories that we talked about in today's show, please check out the show notes or on broaderyvideo.com. Okay, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Ashley, where can people find you on the social meds? Oh, you can find me at Twitter at no, this is Ashley. Same with Instagram, same with Facebook, and I'm at Backstage, I'm at Broadway World, and certainly other places soon. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and... The three of us? Is it the yeah. three of us? We'll be back and talk with you tomorrow. I'll be, I'll be here. <laughs> and it is Taco Tuesday. And if you have not seen the video of LeBron James and his family geeking out over Taco Tuesday, do yourself a favor and find it. It is one of the dorkiest, coolest oh, things I I've ever them. seen. I love them. Did you see the queen bought Donald Trump a book? No. Well, she, she didn't buy him a book. She gave him one of Winston Churchill's first editions. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's not going to like the ending. Yeah, that was the good joke on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>